Today I'll be wrapping up the fourth week of a three-week series. Um, Brian came to Kyle, Corbin, and me and asked us to preach three weeks in a row, and then because I was in quarantine, uh, Brian filled in um, last week when I was supposed to preach, and so we turned three weeks into four weeks, which I think is still good, but uh, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about things every Christian should be. First, it was three things, now it's four things. Uh, But the first week, Kyle preached, and in Kyle fashion, he made up a word um, and told us we should all be shallant, that we should have things in our life that we are standing firm in, um, and we are unwavering. The second week, Corbin preached why every Christian should be a theologian. Now, that word is uh, a lot of times reserved for people going into the ministry and learning theology in school, but Corbin taught that every Christian should be in their Bible. We should be learning what Christ has for us. We should be applying those things to our life and living what the Bible says out in our lives. And last week, Brian preached on why every Christian should have regular heart checkups. Examining our lives every now and again, seeing where we are, seeing the ways that we can improve and better our lives for Christ. Over the last few weeks, as I've been thinking about what to preach, I've changed my mind just about every week um, since I've been thinking about what to preach. At first, I was going to say every Christian should suffer, every Christian should be persecuted. And in that, we move into something new that God has for us. And then I thought, well, maybe every Christian should move. Maybe you move to a different state or a new city, but more importantly, we should be moving forward in our walk with Christ, and I thought about that. But as Corbin and I were talking a few weeks ago about some things, he's like, we were on this topic, and he's like, you should preach on that. What would that look like? And I was like, ooh. That actually would fit. So I came up with the title, Every Christian Should Get a Foot-Long Chili Cheese Hot Dog with Someone. Amen. Maybe not this one. It's cold, not warm, so it tastes a little different. But I'm sure you're wondering, what the heck does that mean? And I will explain later so you can think on it. But really the title that I want to give today is Every Christian Should Have Relational Legacies. We should have relational legacies. This is, looks like um, the word that everybody uses, discipleship. We should have those relationships in our life that we pour into someone, where we invest into the life of someone And we have someone invest into us. Unlike my Instagram handle that is I unintentionally, so I can like your photo and I unintentionally liked your photo, we should not live our life like this. We should intentionally 
pour into people's lives. We should intentionally find someone and teach them the word of God, teach them what it looks like to use that in our life to go forward. So as I was thinking on this title and where I'd look to in the Bible, a great example is Jesus. Jesus poured into the 12 disciples. He brought them along with them. And we should learn from that. But today I want to have us look in 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. And we're going to look at Paul and Timothy's relationship with each other. So if you turn your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy, and we'll have the scripture on this, the uh, screen, but a little context, Paul is writing to Timothy from jail, and he's about to be killed. Um, Paul is expecting in a few days to die, so he wants to send one last letter to Timothy. And this letter is full with encouragement to continue in the faith. Yes, Paul might not be there anymore to be in Timothy's life, but Timothy can keep going. And then in the beginning of chapter 3, we see the title in my Bible. It says, Godlessness in the Last Days. Paul is telling Timothy that people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, And he keeps going on with the characteristics people will show in their life come the last days. And he says, he talks about this for nine verses, and then we get to verse 10, where I want us to look at. And he says all of these things, and then he transitions to but Timothy. He says, you, however... You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted." While evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, I want to spend time at the beginning of that, but at the end we see that Timothy is knowledgeable in the sacred writings. He's knowledgeable in the Old Testament, which is what they had at the time, of the Bible. Now we have the New Testament to look at, but they didn't have that at that moment. But Timothy was wise and understood the sacred writings. 
because of that, Timothy could distinguish the good or the bad that people were teaching him. And because of his knowledge, he was able to trust Paul and learn from Paul. And so at the beginning in verses 10 and 11, I want to take a look at that and see four characteristics of what a Paul's life should look like. The four characteristics you should look for in someone who will teach you. The four characteristics you should have in your life when you are going out and looking for someone to bring alongside you. Those four characteristics being the person teaches true doctrine. Their lives are open to see. They are willing to suffer for the gospel. And above all else, their purpose is to glorify God. So let's look at true doctrine. When I got this point and looking around of what Paul taught and why he taught it and uh, what Timothy um, knew, I came to Galatians. Um, Paul is writing to the church there, and there's been these teachers that are starting to come up through the the church, and they're telling these members, you remember what Paul taught you? Yeah, he learned that from some weird people, and you shouldn't believe what he's saying. You should believe us. We got the... We have the facts straight. Paul doesn't. So Paul's writing to the Galatians. And in chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, Paul states his case. He says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. After Paul was converted on his way to Damascus, and he's in Damascus, he spends a few days there, and then he leaves. And in Acts, it goes straight to where he's in Jerusalem. But as we keep reading in Galatians a little farther, it tells us in between Damascus and Jerusalem, Paul was gone for three years. And he was out in the desert by himself, and people believe it was during this time that Jesus revealed the gospel to him, where Paul didn't learn things secondhand from people, um, like we have to, so many. We don't necessarily see God revealing the fullness of the gospel directly to us during one time in our life, we learn it over time, and we read the Bible to understand it. But Paul got the gospel that he preached revealed to him by Christ. So we must be in the Bible to know whether the people in our lives are teaching us truth. We must be in the Bible to be able to teach truth. Secondly, the lot, their lives are open for all to see. They're open for them to see. 
In Acts 16, um, Paul is going on another missions trip journey and he comes to Lystra. And this is where we see where Paul, I mean, where Timothy lives. And so in 16, one through five, it says, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but, the, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them the observance, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Paul comes through, and he's starting his another mission trip journey. And he comes to the city, and he hears this great news of this disciple who's really digging into the word and growing in his faith. And so Paul invites him to come with him and Silas. Paul brought Timothy into his life. Over this trip, many good things and bad things happened. There are many conversions and churches were poured into and were growing in strength through Christ. But also during this time, we see that Paul was imprisoned. Paul was persecuted. And during these times, Timothy saw it. Timothy learned what it looked like by seeing Paul's life. He learned what it was to follow Christ in the good and the bad. Paul's life was open to be seen. Thirdly, in this passage, we see that Um, Timothy got a glance at Paul's persecutions and he gives three cities, Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. And during Paul's first mission trips journey, um, as we read in Acts, we see where Paul comes to these cities. In Antioch and Iconium, there's persecutions arising against Paul And he learns of them, and so he's able to escape. But in Lystra, where Timothy's at, and Timothy most likely saw in Lystra, Paul didn't get out. Paul was beaten and stoned and thrown out of the city, left for dead. Timothy saw what could happen. The next time Paul came through the city... Timothy was ready to go with him when Paul asked. Now, today in America, we don't see much persecution like Paul did or um, as we see in the lives of others around the world. For me, suffering for Christ was moving to Montana, leaving my family and friends 
And you can ask Letitia, I love my family and friends and I miss them. But I wouldn't change it. I love where I'm at, but there are things that I miss. Fourthly, above all. So encompassing these first three characteristics, above all, the purpose is to glorify God. If we're not glorifying God, then all that we've done through the first three are really for ourselves, to build ourselves up. So in them, in teaching true doctrine, teaching the gospel of Jesus, and having someone see into our lives, and being willing to suffer to keep the gospel message going, it's not about us. We must glorify God. We must show God. And when we do this and we have these relationships in our lives, if we go back to first, I mean, 2 Timothy chapter 2, so a chapter back, Paul tells us what happens through this relationship and what Timothy is supposed to do. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul is leaving the world, but he's taught so many things to Timothy. And so now Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, you heard these things from me. Don't keep it to yourself. Teach faithful men. Teach the leaders of the church. Bring up the youth with you. Pour into their lives so that they may pour into someone else's life. Leave a legacy. Have those relationships in your life that the legacy may continue. And it's not your legacy. You're teaching Christ to someone, and the legacy that keeps going is Christ. We just have the ability to use the things that we love to do that. Paul loved to preach the gospel, and he brought Timothy along with him to travel to churches and um, we see that Paul has Timothy at a church now, and Timothy's not with him, but Paul's still pouring into his life. So what is that relationship in your life to have a legacy? In my life, um, an example of this would be my youth pastor, John Clayton Chastine, and we called him great and as soon as I, for 13, his wife Jennifer became a mother, and his two daughters, Abigail and Anna, are sisters. I keep up with their life. I love them. My parents include Abigail and Anna as their children, too. The relationship is all-encompassed. 
of how much we mean to each other. Throughout the years, Clay brought me and so many people along with him. We would go over to his house and we'd watch movies and we'd watch Braves games and Falcons games and any sporting event that was on. We'd play board games. We'd hang out with the family. We'd have laughs. We'd cry together. He invited to us into his home. Abigail, the oldest, loved softball. And she loved playing softball and being in tournaments. I would show up to their house at 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning. We'd drive a few hours to a tournament. We'd stay out in the hot sun all day at the field. And we'd get back to his house at 2 o'clock in the morning. And four hours later, we were expected, or a few hours later, we were expected to be at church. For us to participate in softball, we had to be at church the next day. That was Clay's rule for us. One of my favorite things to do with Clay is we would go to Braves games, um, the MLB team of Atlanta. Our favorite night was bobblehead night. If you showed up early enough, you got a bobblehead. And I probably have about 10 Clay has about 50. Um, He loves collecting bobbleheads. A thing they do at the Braves game is throughout the game, everyone yells charge as loud as they can for about three seconds. Clay started, yell as loud as you can for a minute straight until you're about to pass out. And so that's what we did. We'd yell at the top of our lungs for as, loud as, for as long as we possibly can, and five sections in all directions were staring at us. And then, Clay started and I continued. We always ate a foot-long chili cheese dog when we went to Braves games. Even when I wasn't with Clay, and I went with other friends or by myself, I got a foot-long chili cheese dog. It wasn't the greatest thing I could eat there, but it reminded me of Clay and what he meant to me in my life. Something little that still reminds me of Clay. Over the summers, Clay had an internship through the youth group at our church. He would hire college students that were home for the summer to kind of be like what me and Corbin are here for two years. It would just be 10 people over the summer. Clay gave us a long leash to do what we wanted, to try new things, to try new ideas. And he was there to help us succeed. And if those Ideas crashed and burned. He was there to pick us up, to keep going, to try new things. Clay was there in the good and the bad. But even in all the fun that we had over the years with so many people, Clay's main goal through the fun 
was to pour into our lives and my life spiritually. To teach me the word of God for 13 years I sat under. For him to show me what living a life of Christ looked like to his wife, to his two daughters, to the students in the youth group, to their parents, to the other members of the church, what it looked like to share Christ through relationships. Now, at the end of Second Timothy, as Paul is wrapping up, he tells Timothy that there are people that are now in other places ministering. If Clay was writing to me today, Clay could end. Hey, you remember Daniel? He's now one of your best friends. He's at Relevant. He's a, an associate pastor there, and he's pouring into the life of other people. Hunter Ott, another one of your best friends. He's an assistant youth pastor at a church. He's pouring into students' lives. Jared, another one of your best friends. He's in Mobile, Alabama as a youth pastor pouring into kids' lives. Jared's brother, Luke, another one of your best friends. He's going to school in Mobile, where he's studying to become a youth pastor and have a music degree. But while he's there, he's at Jared's church serving as a worship leader. And then there's me in Montana. And over Clay's 27 years of ministry, there are hundreds of more people that have gone and are now serving Christ in some way, whether that's in a church or they're out in the world spreading God's love. Even in my life, these relationships change. I've moved to Montana. I can't spend that time that I did, once did with Clay. But while I was at camp, Andy Hansen poured into my life for the year that I was with him. He taught me what camping ministry looked like, but more importantly, what just regular life ministry was in that area. Over my time here, Bracken Spencer has poured into my life. He takes me hiking and climbing and camping and all these fun things, but every chance he shares the gospel with me. He, we talk about God and what things mean. He pours into my life spiritually. I'm now able to pour into kids' lives here with Corbin. And it's been a blessing. On Sunday mornings, over the, sum, the past summer, I've been able to help with children's church and teach that. But before service, I always have Grayson and Harper and a few other 
students that are like, can I help you in children's church? Can I come with you? Do you need help? Can I come? Sometimes I have more youth leaders than the kids that are down there, but they love being there and helping the kids. And I'm able to show them what it looks like to be a teacher for the kids. So that one day, they're able to do it by themselves. So as we close, who is the clay in your life? Who's the Paul? Who's the Jesus? Who is pouring into you? What relationship do you have where someone is investing in every area of your life? Through the fun, through the hard times, they're there, and there's zero judgment from them. All they want is to help you grow closer to Christ and to keep the gospel going. Who is the JR, the Timothy, the 12 apostles in your life? Who are you investing into? Who are you bringing along, reading the word with, teaching what it looks like to keep going, to teach kids when they're older, to pour into other people's lives and how they can take Christ and put it in every area of their life. So I ask you, who are those two people? Whatever it looks like, you should have the four characteristics in your life. You should be striving to teach the truth. You should have a life that is open for people to see into. You're not hiding things from people. You should be willing to suffer for the gospel, either however small it is or how big it is. You should be willing so that the gospel may be spread. And above all that, your purpose should be to glorify God, to see God's kingdom grow. So that when you are no longer around and the world is still going, the relationships that you had in your life keep the legacy of Christ going. It's not about us. Relationships are fun. And they fill us up, but ultimately it's about Christ. What relationships do you have that will continue the legacy of Christ in someone else's life? So that as we see in 2 Timothy 2, so that you may teach faithful men, so that they may teach others. We don't keep what we learn in. We keep it going. So have a clay in your life. Have a JR in your life. Let us pray. 
Dear God, I just want to thank you for this day and all that you're doing for us. May we leave and have a great day and stay safe during these times. May we have a great weekend, a long weekend. May we glorify you. May we have relationships in our lives that we can be shown and we can show what it looks like to follow you in every aspect of our life so that the legacy of you may continue. It's not about us. It's about you. So be with us as we leave today. In Jesus' name, amen.